0: Thank you for listening to the Cogar Center Arts Roundup podcast. Welcome back. This episode was recorded before the mandatory closures due to COVID-19. Some of the information in this interview may have changed. Please visit the University of South Carolina's theater department website for up-to-date information about the performances at Shakespeare's Playhouse. Welcome to the Cogar Center Arts Roundup. Our special guest this week is Robert Richman, professor in the Department of Theater and Dance here at the University of South Carolina. Thank you for joining us.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me.
0: So I'd like to talk ultimately about this Shakespeare's Playhouse that's coming to the University of South Carolina in partnership with the Folger Theater. But can we begin with just a little bit of your backstory? Uh, you're British. How did you end up here at the theater department in Columbia,
1: South Carolina? Very quickly, I come from a sleepy seaside town called Hastings on the southeast coast, and after a not particularly exciting acting career, I found a job that toured the United States, and that was nearly 22 years ago, where I was introduced to large plates of food, and um, a group of people that love Shakespeare. So here I came, and that was the Aquila Theatre Company, of which you and I, of course, go back a long way. Um, And I was in New York City and living in 750 square feet with two children, and it seemed like a good idea to try and find a job that would allow for other things. And the University of South Carolina beautifully invited me to come and be a teacher here
0: your time with Shakespeare goes back uh, to your acting career. Is that true? You you, you started uh, sh- acting in Shakespeare. Uh, did you sort of fall in love with Shakespeare right from the beginning? I, I've, I meet a lot of British folk who really latch on to him as this artist that, you know, heritage. Uh, did you come into it because the work was there? Or did you come to the work because you already had this background with Shakespeare?
1: Well, I think... Originally, I was not a particularly high-performing high school student. In fact, I would say I was probably the opposite. And the school I went to gave you kind of two options. Uh, One was the army and the other was prison. And I considered what else I might want to do. And becoming an actor seemed like a really good way of confusing the careers master who could give me no help whatsoever. And I found that I could sort of crack the code of Shakespeare quicker than perhaps my other peers could. So I sort of became known for doing everybody's homework. And that's sort of how I fell in love with it. It sort of became my, my speciality in high school. Um, and then the college I went to, the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama, was a classically uh, trained was a classical training and so that really gave me the basis on which to sort of thrive and um, yeah I kind of loved it um, and it's you know I've, I've been very fortunate to make a career out of directing or speaking or studying his work for the last 30 odd years
0: and you made the transition from uh Acting into directing. Did it was that a sort of natural transition for you?
1: I was a bossy actor and people said you should stop telling me what to do while you're speaking. And it seemed like a very easy transition to just boss everybody around. But but seriously, um, you know, without being without sounding, you know, too facetious, it it was a natural transition and I felt that um, I was able to tell stories the way that I thought stories should be told
0: do you miss the acting career or are you happy
1: to see it behind you Well that's a hard question i th- I'm, I'm I don't miss it on a daily basis but occasionally I see someone struggling <laughs> that I feel like you know I could give you some help if uh, if you would let me, but no, I don't really miss it. No.
0: How many Shakespeare plays do you know a number off the top of your head or a guess? How many different Shakespeare plays have you been a part of? Mm. So there's what, 37 plays that we attribute to Shakespeare that are, is pretty much um, not in dispute. And how, are you slowly working your way through the canon?
1: I am. I think I've probably done 20 low 20s i would say low 20s right now i've still got a ways to go yeah um i've done most of the difficult ones which i'm pleased about so that should mean that my sort of you know final final part of my career should be fairly plain sailing but yeah no I'm, and and everyone is different so and i've done many twice or three times
0: is there one in particular that you haven't had a chance to that you've always wanted to work on like is there an elusive one something obvious like and as you like it, that
1: you think that everyone would think you've done, but you just haven't had the chance yet. Probably the some of the some of the history plays you would think I might have done, and I haven't. So there's some of those that I'd like to do, and some of the Roman plays, the more obscure Roman plays, um, I pitch um, a very um, sort of bloodthirsty. Titus Andronicus from time to time that I think would be a great Halloween show, sort of everybody gets splash max that sit in the front rows. Um, But I'm looking for a space with a drain so that the the blood and the gore has somewhere to go.
0: I'm gonna transition from that into the Folger Theater at the Folger Shakespeare Library because I'm assuming that part of your pitch to a place like them Uh, when you say, I want to do this bloody Titus Andronicus, is they say, I don't think we can accommodate that in this space. Um, You've done a number of shows at the Folger. Uh, They're sort of America's, I don't know, globe theater, if you will. Is that, would you say that they're like our home, Shakespeare's home, largely?
1: I think there's probably a number of places that would like to claim that, but certainly they are one of the Uh, Most important research centers have the largest collection of Shakespeare uh, artifacts um, and printed editions and first folios and, uh, you know, produce a 12-month season every year. So they're very busy pursuing that one specific author, yeah.
0: And the theater itself is a part of the library complex, is that right? It is, yeah. But it the library preceded the theater. Is that true? So they exist to be the library and then they started doing theater there? Or was well, it always built? I don't know the answer to this. I'm curious. is Was it built uh, with the performance space in mind?
1: My understanding is that Mr. Folger um, started as a sort of, you know, enthusiast to collect um, Shakespearean um Books, texts, texts, yeah, and then decided that um, with the you know, his his wealth that he would purchase some land on Capitol Hill, which is two blocks from the Capitol, and um, produce the plans and built. But there was he was intended there to be a theater at one end of it because his wife loved performance, uh, Mrs. Forger, uh, but unfortunately, my understanding is she died before it was actually finished, so. Um, but they are rather remarkably interred in the walls of the building, and so you sort of feel that they're forever with you, um, which is, you know, both a both a beautiful feeling and, and not sometimes. Late at night after tech. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> um, you've done a number of plays there, and I feel like you've done a number of the sort of difficult Shakespeare's that you've done there. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I have a reputation for being able to make the more difficult, or as they call them, problem plays, accessible, and and so when as their as their mission is to work through the canon, when one of those comes into their season, quite often I'm asked if I would like to, um, you know, make a sort of conceptual pitch as to how a 21st century audience would appreciate and understand the, you know, the more complex moral or you know political. Uh, outcomes in that particular play, so yeah.
0: Is there a recent example you can share with us? When you say problem play, uh, what's an example of a challenging Shakespeare that it's not a Midsummer Night's Dream, you know, yeah. something that's easy, easily accessible? What, what's the last so-called problem play
1: you did with the Folger? Well, the last one I did was actually Davenant's Macbeth, which is a rewrite of Shakespeare's Macbeth, some sort of sixteen eighties. Um, in which he adds scenes, has characters that don't speak to each other in Shakespeare's play, talk to each other, um, and moves things around. So it was presented with the Folger Consort, which is the early music group, um, and I had to sort of find a way that this, let's just say, you know, lesser-known work would make sense uh, to a contemporary audience, and in that particular occasion... Uh, I had been reading about um, uh, the insane asylum called Bedlam that was in London, that the original site was on a uh, rather uh, poorly functioning sewer and would often back up. And I thought that uh, a lunatic asylum in which the inmates had to perform Davenant's Macbeth could be an interesting way of conceptualizing why they were doing it and how they were doing it. So that was one. And then the other one, by absolute contrast to that, uh, would be um, Timing of Athens, which is, again, a lesser-done play, but incredibly important right now because it's all about money and the loss of money um, and how money really drives a society. So I put that into a more futuristic setting in the style of Black Mirror, Um, where the sort of inexplicable and not particularly understandable loss of this great man's money was all through the electronic banking system. Um, And that seemed to work very well, too. So that's two extremes.
0: So you've done a number of difficult Shakespeare plays at the Folger. Uh, but you've also been a part of a number of plays with the Department of Theatre and Dance here at the University of South Carolina. How long have you been in the department? This is my 12th year. And you've directed uh, how many Shakespeare plays here?
1: I'm going to guess at six. Roughly one every two years, I would say.
0: And the department makes it a point to try to do one Shakespeare a year or at least one every other year as a part of the training program?
1: Every other year as part of the training program, but also I think as the larger um, vision for a liberal arts education, which I think, you know, many people uh, and students that come here, um, their experience with Shakespeare is probably high school and may not have been a particularly, you know, pleasant one. So uh,
0: sitting around your English class, all reading the
1: different roles. Yeah. So um, I think this is a great opportunity to really share, you know, high, high production standards um, and good performances. And they see it maybe sometimes in a completely different way. So.
0: The theater department puts on its productions in either Drayton Hall or Longstreet, typically speaking, uh, the, the main stage spaces. Uh, so you have this, we're, we're transitioning into a conversation about this project that's on about to happen this spring semester, uh, the Shakespeare's Playhouse Project. Uh, tell us, where did that idea come from, uh, and what will that bring to the campus, to the students on campus, the the ability to have yet a third place to see Shakespeare? I mean, I guess they also do Shakespeare in the lab, and they do Shakespeare in CPE. There's a number of places, but this is creating a place uh, a Shakespeare's playhouse is it in theory just for Shakespeare will it be used for all sorts of things G- give us your vision for uh, how this came to be I think originally
1: like most directors one starts to feel um, that the artistic walls of each and every one of those spaces that you named becomes a little closer and um, ideas uh, are not necessarily flowing or you can't necessarily imagine the storytelling inside of those particular spaces and i've always been a great proponent to try and take shakespeare to the people which was again to re- reference back to our past what aquila's mission was uh, the greatest works to the greatest number and i had this notion of doing this year in fact election year doing Julius Caesar in multiple venues, some of which were outside, um, in order to have people promenade from space to space. And that, although that didn't quite fly with the faculty at the time, it did seem to me that there was a great idea of trying to bring people to a different space to appreciate and understand and enjoy a production. And so um, I happened to be kind of noodling with the idea of a globe. And uh, I had a little sketch in front of me one day at the Folger Theatre and the uh, director there, Mike Whitmore, saw it and asked me what it was. And from that, the conversation sort of tumbled into wouldn't it be great if we sort of could one day create a space that was reflective of Shakespeare's theatre but at the same time took the architecture specifically into the 21st century and allowed people to experience the plays in somewhat of the original setting. You know, outside, um, in the daytime, or in our case, at night, under the stars. There's a sort of romance to that. Um, And uh, I think it opens up some of the constrictions that happen about being in a darkened room um, with everybody's cell phones on, um, where uh, you are sort of, locked into the seats facing in one direction and uh, I kind of want to get back to what it would have been like to be a groundling.
0: So what is this Shakespeare's Playhouse that's coming to campus this
1: June? So it's the, the opportunity to see A Midsummer Night's Dream in the summer um, performed by uh, a company of actors um, that is some professional, some community and some students designed by professional designers uh, that will perform here from June the 4th to June the 13th uh, in a a new space, sort of never been used for theater ever before, and I'll give some more details of that maybe in a moment, uh, that will then be taken down, the stage will be taken down, and the entire production will be taken to Washington DC, where it will be performed at the National Building Museum from July seventh to August thirtieth, um, eight shows a week, and you know that is a fantastic opportunity for the University of South Carolina to fly our flag to show the world that we are really uh, innovative in many ways, and we are on the cutting edge of not only training but also you know audience engagement.
0: So this is a co-production. The actual Midsummer Night's Dream. Production is a co-production with the Folger Theater, and it'll use both professional actors and some of local actors, student actors. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah, it's it's a real kind of um, testament to uh, all of the artists that I touch in my professional life.
0: So the Shakespeare's Playhouse is a traveling set, and the building National Building Museum has a long history of hosting. Uh, large uh, installation pieces, is that right? Inside during the summer months. So this year's installation is this globe, uh, Shakespeare's Playhouse.
1: It is. It's it, the the National Building Museum is uh, really exactly that a museum to architecture, um, often spe- specifically to Washington DC, but also globally, and where it talks about the off. I mean the the, the things I've seen talk about the the impact of architecture and design um, on on our lives, uh, which we sort of take for granted or just don't really notice, I, I suppose. Um, and every summer they have something called the Block Party and it's been you know, all sorts of fantastic and incredible installations. Yeah, and this year we're very lucky that they agreed that um, Shakespeare's Playhouse should be their, their central uh, theme.
0: So there's an educational component to this, if I'm correct, it's not only a performance space, but particularly at the building museum, there will be uh, a chance for visitors to wander through and learn about Shakespeare, about the globe, about what what are we hoping to achieve from the education point of view with this project?
1: In the daytime, um, when the museum is open, there will be um, ongoing Um, Daytime activities that are going to be from everything, from learning how to, um, you know, perform on the stage, to stage fighting, to I think there's some rough making plan, to all sorts of things that will happen daytime, Uh, but then um, in the evening, it will become the performance space for A Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, So it's, it's, the Folger and the National Building Museum are really kind of uh, collaborating in really coming together what that schedule is going to be and how that really plays into um, both of them of course are dedicated to uh, education and the arts and so that's it's a great partnership between those two massive institutions
0: when it's here on campus there'll be opportunity for students to be involved in this project am I correct Um, not only as actors but perhaps as crew Uh, this is going to be built off-site this is a brand new and Installation that's going to be built off-site and then brought in and set up. And it's going to be set up on the discarded basketball court that mm-hmm. is next to uh, Correll College. Is that right? Wedged in between Correll and Woodrow, the dormitory?
1: That's correct. On the opposite side of the street to Russell House. And behind the wall...
0: So you'll just see it peeking out from over the top of the wall, most likely.
1: I mean, I think you'll, see, you'll definitely see it. A little bit... Of- Peaking, I think it will be <laughs> <laughs> looming over the wall. Yeah, I think it will be quite impressive. Yeah, I don't think you'll be able to miss it. But yeah, it's right. It's right on the end of that pedestrian street opposite Russell House.
0: So it's going to be installed there, and then the production will be put into the space. Some technical rehearsals, and then it's going to run for how long? Well, how many how many performances?
1: There'll, there'll, there'll be uh, eight performances, eight public performances at eight o'clock. Yeah.
0: Uh, And that is uh, June 4th 4th through 13th. Correct. Uh, In a Midsummer Night's Dream, and you're directing it. Is that true?
1: That's correct.
0: Um, (laughs) What else can you tell us about the production? Is there anything? uh, Do you you have designers lined up? Do you have a concept you'd like to share? Is there anything you want to tell people about this production? Or anything else you'd like to tell us about the playhouse itself? Um, Interesting details?
1: So, let me talk about the production first of all, and then I'll, I'll touch on the playhouse. The idea behind the production is that it needs to be uh, fast-moving, entertaining, and completely accessible. As I sort of said earlier, what I'm trying to avoid is the idea of rarefying this 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 author in a way that I really don't think he was perceived in his own time, and that this is this is really theatre stroke fun for people, for for just people. Um, And so this particular play, of course, is very well known. And I think when we approached this conceptually, we decided that it needed to have a little bit of a spin. And I have always been uh, a great fan of the movie uh, Moulin Rouge, which is uh, enjoying a great success on Broadway as a musical right now. Um, and thought that it could be fun to kind of place this story in the middle of a circus troupe that come to perform perform a play. Um, and so there's a lot of clowns. <laughs> and when we go to the forest, which is a sort of upside-down world, if people are fans of um, uh, Stranger Things, everybody has an alternate ego. It's really who or what they would like to be in their fantasy world. And so those clowns become very interesting and, and wonderful fairies. And of course, everybody has a sort of other side. So the duality of the story was really what I was focusing on, because everybody in the play transforms by the end. Um, the playhouse itself, yes, it's, it is, as you say, um, not, not a replica, that was never the idea, But it was to really, as we considered, to replicate some of the um, more uh, interesting and necessary parts of actor-audience relationship, distance, height, all of those things were considered from the original. Um, And, you know, it needed to be able to be something that we could perform a Shakespeare play on every single year and not specific to this one production. So. It has lots of bells and whistles um, and, of course, has to perform both outside, so one has to consider the weather, and inside when it goes to Washington, D.C.
0: And it'll have the ability to be set up again and again, so this could be a regular, ongoing thing that happens yearly. I hope so. And how did the actual idea of this get to be a... Reality, I, I say reality in that it hasn't been built yet, but the, we're in the stages of it being, uh, g- getting ready to be built. Uh, th- th- there was a grant applied for, is that right?
1: There was an excellence initiative um, last year that uh, I was awarded, and that um, allowed uh, for us to go, go forward with the idea. Um, there was no other arts uh, awardee to that initiative, so we were very pleased, and I think it is the largest amount of money that's ever been given to a to an uh, arts department or school um, at USC. So it's it was pretty high profile, yeah.
0: So as they say, it better be good. Better be good. <laughs> um, the Shakespeare's Playhouse production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, which is a co-production with the Folger theater at the Folger Shakespeare Library comes to campus June 4th through the 13th of 2020, uh, performing eight nights a week at 8 p.m. just off Green Street. So if you wander down Green Street in front of the Russell House, you could look for the playhouse looming over the wall uh, just behind Woodrow College. I'm sure there'll be lots of information floating around campus about how one finds this production. Uh, You're also looking for uh, there'll be um, auditions, correct? So, st- is it open to anyone local? Just students?
1: Absolutely, anyone.
0: So, there's how many how many actors coming down from Washington? Folger actors
1: involved? Five actors and a stage manager.
0: And then the rest of the production will be fleshed out with. Correct. local Locals here from Columbia who will then get a chance to travel with it Correct. to Washington and perform that, what is that, eight weeks or something in Washington. Yeah. yeah. So very exciting opportunity. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. And like all all new initiatives, yes, we, we, we are looking for um, volunteers and helpers to really get it off the ground um, on that sort of grassroots level.
0: You've been listening to the Cogar Center Arts Roundup podcast. Thank you for listening. Our guest this week has been Robert Richman, professor in the Department of Theater and Dance at the University of South Carolina. We were talking about Shakespeare's Playhouse, the new project coming to campus June 4th through 13th with a co-production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, co- co-producing with the Folger Theater in Washington, D.C. That production will then move to the building museum, National Building Museum, and run for eight weeks, uh, eight shows a week in Washington. But you can catch it here first, starting June 4th, with free productions just opposite the Russell House on Green Street, behind the wall. Uh, you shouldn't be able to miss it once it's all built. We're very excited to have this Project being a part of U- University of South Carolina and taking students and our excellent ideas off campus to Washington for the summer. Thank you for coming, Robert. Thank you for having me. The Coker Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the Student Media Partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at. Koger Center for the Arts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.